Welcome into the newest edition of the Checkerboard Chat. We have plenty to get to today as Tennessee's men's and women's basketball teams. Regular seasons are winding down and they start to get into March as today is the first day of March and the postseason play. And we'll start with Tennessee's men's basketball team who had an, uh, a little bit of a disappointing week. They win on Wednesday night against the undermanned Vanderbilt team, 70-58, to 58, before falling on the road to another undermanned team at Auburn, 77-72. I'm Ryan Shumpert, and here joined in this first segment, as always, by Jeffrey Russell, our UT Daily Beacon basketball beat writer. Jeffrey, uh, what were your biggest takeaways from uh, another one-in-one week? I think my biggest takeaway from this week is that this team was already kind of on a quick downhill descent, but I think they made it worse this week because, you know, usually when they're starting the week with their win against whoever they beat, they beat them kind of convincingly against Vanderbilt. It really wasn't that convincing. And if Vanderbilt has Dylan DeSue or Scottie Pippen Jr., I'm probably thinking Vanderbilt pulls out that game. Tennessee had a late run where they kind of blew open the lead a little bit, but uh, that that game was in doubt longer than it needed to be, and it shouldn't have been in doubt really from the from tip off. And then at Auburn, I think it's the same problems that have, have been problems all year. I think you don't have a post presence, and you got dominated in the paint, and then you had to rely on the freshmen, and they just couldn't bring it out for you. Yeah, certainly. And you look at the Vanderbilt game, and I think the score was definitely very misleading. I think that was a three-point game coming out of the under-four timeout, and Keon Johnson immediately hit two free throws, so they got it out to five, and I don't think it ever got that close again. But certainly a game that, given what Vanderbilt had, you would have thought would have been a lot more one-sided. And then, yeah, like you said, you saw Tennessee's struggles at, against Auburn specifically continue. Six straight loss to the Tigers actually was there covering the game and was sitting kind of near the Auburn radio broadcast. So I heard after the game that was Auburn's longest winning streak over an SEC team since 2003. So I thought that was interesting. I would not have have guessed that. But, yeah, I think the way Auburn played Tennessee, particular Tennessee's offense, is how you're going to see a lot of teams do it. And when you get into March, they were basically really sagging off John Fulkerson or Olivier Camwa, Devontae Gaines, they were in the game. And, really trying to clog up the paint, kind of similar to what you saw Kentucky do against Tennessee a week before. And then another thing that stood out to me on the week, and this is more in the Auburn game, was just Tennessee's defense is kind of still slowly declining. Now, the team's been on a little bit more of a decline, but the defense in particular hasn't been quite as good the past few weeks. Auburn, that Auburn game really struggled, especially in the second half, gave up 43 points in the second half. Auburn shot, I believe, 50% from the field in the second half, and that's without having Sharif Cooper. So that was something that really stood out to me and I think will be see if, be interesting to see if Tennessee can get better on that end, having eight days off and, you know, getting their legs back under them. Yeah, I think this eight days is going to be important, you know, not from, you know, only a strategic standpoint, but like you were saying, a physical standpoint. At, at some point, is just what they need. Who knows? Yeah, and that's, you know, the other thing. I mentioned Shreve Cooper being out. I think that's what stands out about – you know, how bad that loss looks. And we'll see how Auburn does this week. I don't think Sharif Cooper's going to come back and play the rest of the season. I don't think that's maybe not official yet, but that's the way things seem to be trending. But going into the game Saturday, Auburn was 1-6 and six against non-mid-major, small-major teams. I think 0-4 in SEC play without Cooper had lost, you know, by average of 11 points a game, something like that. So Auburn had been a really bad team when they hadn't had Cooper, and especially they had been a really bad team offensively, really had no identity offensively when Cooper hasn't played this season and 
the way that they were able, I mean, they were a little slow off the start in that game Saturday, but from there on, I mean, they were really able to score pretty easily against Tennessee. Tennessee's man-to-man perimeter defense that I thought was really poor and something they're going to need to to get fixed if they want to win a couple games in March because I think we all know the offense is going to be inconsistent. They need consistency from the defense. Mm -hmm. So, like we just said, eight days off before Tennessee plays their regular season finale against Florida on Sunday. What do you think uh, should be – Barnes's approach this week kind of in getting his team ready and then what's the most important thing that Tennessee gets fixed I guess it's realistic uh I think Tennessee's just got to start you know working on a different lineups I think having John Fulkerson in there has become too much of a hindrance for this team for the minutes they're giving him um whether that's giving Olivier Camwa more minutes because he had a solid four minute stretch at Auburn and then you just didn't see him the rest of the game or if that's going to the small ball lineup, which seems to be Tennessee's most lethal offensive lineup, I think you've got to start moving in, in some other direction. I, you you can appreciate all that John Fulkerson's done for the program and the heart he's put into it, but at some point you've got to you put the team winning first above one single player. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> it, it really is puzzling how little Camelot's playing because it seems like he it really seems like he's playing much better the past few weeks and you know, I would almost expect that him and Fulkerson's playing time to look somewhat similar, kind of in that 10 to 15 minutes a game, just the way the production that both have, have given Tennessee has been, I feel like, pretty similar. And then I think it's definitely the case that Tennessee's small ball lineup is its best lineup. So I think what's interesting, could be interesting to watch, see what Barnes does, and he kind of hinted at it a little bit post-game Saturdays, does he find more creative ways to get play those four guard lineups more? Because obviously they only have five guards that they consistently trust. Now Devontae Gaines competes for some minutes too. Did they find a way to get creative without having to really push those guys to play in over 33 minutes a game to get more small, small ball lineups? He talked about, you know, they're really looking at Keon Johnson, working him at the four, trying to get him be more comfortable playing there to go along with Josiah James. So I think that'll be something certainly to watch this week and could be an adjustment Tennessee makes is like Barnes said after the game Saturday, they, they got to be looking at everything in the playbook, everything they can do to shuffle things and kind of get some life jolted back into this team. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, I, I agree. It's just at, at this point, you're just banging your head against the wall, just hoping something will change with, you know, if you're going to trot the same lineup back out there, I think something's got to change. It seems like they've, started to realize that and hopefully something will be worked out in these eight days where they can start to take a step and progress as a team. Yeah. And I think the other thing you look for is Tennessee needs to accomplish this week. Kind of what I was talking about, just try to get better on the defensive end. And I think more than anything, mm-hmm. that's just going to come from rest. East Ponds has been playing on a banged up knee for a couple of weeks now. And I don't think that's going to get, you know, healed or anything by the end of the season, but get him closer to a hundred percent before this, final run into March. And I think that's the big X factor. Everyone just having a little bit more rest. Cause like we were saying, a lot of guys are playing a lot of minutes, but Pons is that eraser. And it's, it's clear right now that he doesn't have the same athleticism that he did earlier in the season when he was at hundred percent. And it's not that he's still not effective because he is, he had a block Saturday and another insane block that shouldn't have been called a foul. And was led to a technical <laughs> foul on Tennessee's bench. So <clears throat> And I think that'll be interesting. You know, we don't get to watch a practice this year, so we don't know what Barnes will do. How, how hard does he push the team to 
this week in practice of trying to get things fixed and how do you balance that with resting guys who need the rest. But that should certainly be interesting going forward. And looking back at this last week, one of the few positives was the play of Jaden Springer kind of moved over, especially Saturday at Auburn played a lot more point guard than he has. He scored 40 points on the week on 50%, 11 of 22 shooting, grabbed eight rebounds and recorded eight assists, including five, excuse me, six in Saturday's win over Auburn. What did you see from Springer and what kind of look do you think him playing point guard gives Tennessee's offense? I think one of the also main positives from his game is that he's one of the only guards on Tennessee's team that knows how to get to the free throw line. He gets fouled. He goes hard to the rim. He's going to create contact. Now it affects his shots sometimes and sometimes he doesn't make it, but usually he's going to go in there and get fouled. And I think that's something Tennessee needs because they just don't drive the ball as much as they need to. They have some of these really athletic, just gifted guards, but they like to play in the wings and shoot these mid range jumpers So I think with him starting, maybe playing more point guard, it can force Tennessee to kind of play a more tenacious style of offense that's attacking the basket. Yeah, I agree. The attacking style, I think, is what Springer brings at point guard, and I especially think will make Tennessee more effective when teams pressure to run three-quarter court, half-court zone kind of pressure defenses because Tennessee struggled against those looks this year. Obviously, in the Ole Miss game, it was really bad. The LSU game, they had some trouble. I feel like I missed another one that it was a little bit of an issue. And I think you're going to see teams probably, you know, like a team in the first round is going to be a little bit of an underdog against Tennessee. That's something I would expect them to go to, expect them to try. And I think Springer running the point guard should be more effective than the Scobie there. We've seen him have his problems. And I also like that that allows Tennessee to play the Scobie and Bailey on the wings just because try to spot them up, get them more open shots that's where they're by far the most effective. I'd like to see their scoring percentage on shots that aren't three-pointers because neither of them have been very effective on them, especially Viscovi. So I think that's something that's worth mentioning. And from another perspective, and this is more just kind of a little bit of a, of a theory, is Barnes was talking about last week how they needed Springer to want to play point guard and want to be aggressive and kind of challenged him to the media to do that. And I thought you saw him play more this week, and I think you saw him do that. And Springer had a quote after the game that was essentially was asked about teams' inconsistencies. And he was basically, I mean, he didn't say anybody by name, but he was basically calling out his teammates. So we have too many guys that just don't show up. You don't know what we're going to get out of them on a given day. So I don't know. It's so late in the season. I don't know how that would even progress. But it almost seems like Springer moving over to the point guard spot. He's taking on a little bit more of a leadership role. And I think that could be something that will be interesting to watch going forward if Tennessee starts to play better. Yeah, I agree. It definitely uh, you saw there with him jumping maybe into that quote of more leadership. You saw the what Rick and uh, Kim English were saying earlier that it's kind of fallen on the young guys to try to prop up the older guys and kind of get their motor going. And when you have, you know, a freshman coming in, kind of kicking everybody else in the rear with a comment like that, hopefully that'll get them going. If if you're the coaching staff, you, you maybe that's maybe that's one of the things that can finally get things in gear. Yeah, certainly. And We'll now look forward to March a little bit. Tennessee just has one game in the regular season left before they go to the SEC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. First starting in the SEC tournament, it looks like Tennessee is going to be either a five or a six seed, but just right outside of that double bye. How tough is that for Tennessee and their chances of making a run, not being able to get a double bye? 
I think if you're in the fifth seed, I think they'll win win that game against South Carolina or Vanderbilt, whoever they're playing, uh, playing in that first game. But I think after that, you're the underdog against everyone you're playing. You have that higher seed, but just how Tennessee has been playing, that you shouldn't be counting them as a favorite against anybody. They they have to come in with a, a, a mentality to work harder, outwork whoever they're playing, because right now they don't. I, they can't have it in their minds that they're this good team that, you know, they can turn it on when they need to because they've proven they can't. They they can't turn it on when they need to. It's got to start somewhere, and maybe this week is the week to start it. But uh, right now I see them maybe winning their first game in the SEC tournament and probably losing the second. Yeah, no, I think everything you said there is very, very accurate. What two things stand out to me about not getting that double buy. One – and the way Tennessee's playing, this doesn't look like it would be an issue anyway. But it is very hard to win the SEC tournament if you don't get double by. I believe since the league expanded to 14 teams back in 2013, just one team has done that. And that was the Auburn team that beat Tennessee a few years ago in the SEC championship game. So that's going to be really difficult, especially when you're like Tennessee, you don't have a whole lot of depth. Just very, very difficult to win four games in four days. But again, the way Tennessee's been inconsistent, that probably wouldn't be. But that would probably be an issue for them either way. Second thing, I think you look at, I agree, you would expect them to win that first game, and I would think they'd be underdogs in that second game. The way things fall, if Tennessee beats Florida this Sunday, it looks like Florida would fall to that four spot and instead of it being LSU. And I think that's something to be good for Tennessee. I think Tennessee matches up better against Florida than they do LSU. So that adds a little bit. I mean, not that Tennessee needs more juice to play Sunday, but that adds a little bit more juice, a little bit more motivation that should uh, could potentially be beneficial to get Florida instead of LSU in the second round. Yeah, I think any any way uh, Tennessee can avoid Javante Smart and uh, Cam Thomas, I think that would be a blessing in disguise for the coaching staff. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, I think Tennessee's coaches and fans have seen enough of Javante Smart over the past few years. So then, moving on to the NCAA tournament. Joe Lenardi has not released his latest bracketology as of the day, but CBS Sports had Tennessee as a seven seed going into this final week of the season. What do you kind of see Tennessee doing, uh, kind of falling in the seeding, and how do they bounce back and have solid play in NCAA tournament? Uh, I think you, if you hope you're winning out uh, against Florida and maybe getting a one SEC win. If you're Tennessee, that's what you're looking for. And then going into the NCAA tournament, trying to sit there at a six or a seven seed. I think Tennessee will be one of the the favorite picks to get knocked off in the first round by, by a lower seed. I think that'll be a, a, a trendy pick. I think they're good enough to, to get the win, though. I don't think that they should be super concerned about getting knocked out in that first round. But if they're seven seed or even if they fall to the eight or nine seed, if they have two poor showings this week against Florida and whatever they do in the SEC tournament, then I'd be worried because then you're going to be catching either a two seed or a one seed in that second round. And I could see it being a quick early exit for Tennessee. Yeah, that's what I think there's a big, maybe not in the first round game. I don't think there's a too big of a difference between being a seven seed and a six seed because, I mean, you see a ton of 11 seeds, knock off six seeds. That's almost 50-50. But mm -hmm. I think the second round makes a big difference. Being able to get a three seed instead of a two seed, especially when you look out, look at the outlet of college basketball this year, there's about six or seven teams in that kind of top group that feel like they have a chance to win. Now, obviously, Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor are a little bit ahead of even the second tier there. But I do think there's a clear seven or eight best teams. So I think that that certainly would be something that 
makes it important for Tennessee to go out and win some games this, this week and in the SEC tournament. But the way they're playing, it's, it's hard to not see them being a, an upset potential team in the first round just because they have such inconsistencies on offense. And when you don't have consistent interior scoring, you're not going to really be able to take advantage of teams that aren't as good as you as much, you know, smaller schools. You can't get to the free throw line, can't overpower them with your physicality. It's going to be hard to to have an easy win. You're going to have to shoot really well, basically. So that should be certainly something worth worth watching. And then lastly, on the way out here, Tennessee does play Florida this Sunday. We've talked a little bit about that throughout this podcast so far. What are you looking for in that matchup? Uh, and how does Tennessee get a win, I guess? It's, it's the same things, I think. Keon and Jaden are going to have to play really well against Florida and Scotty Lewis. I think that Tennessee is just whether they win or not. I think what most people and maybe the coaching staff just wants to see is that they're going out there creating kind of running the offense really well and just, you know, sitting down and really working on defense. You'd like to win if you're the coaching staff, but I think you just need to sign a life at this point from the Tennessee basketball team. If you're anybody, you know, that's watching. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, one thing I think does work to Tennessee's advantage, have a week off, haven't played. It's kind of a combination. You, you lost Florida real bad earlier this year. We're embarrassed, have a lot of motivation. But this team's also played Florida pretty good the past few years. So there's no reason this team wouldn't be confident. I think they've won, they've won five straight against Florida going into that game. They shouldn't be scared or intimidated of Florida. Now, they might not have a whole lot of confidence overall just because of the way things are going. But against Florida, that shouldn't be an issue. And then the Gators do play a midweek game again this week again on Wednesday against the Missouri team, who's also struggling a bit like Tennessee. So it should be interesting. Tennessee should be a little bit more rested. Florida's kind of come off of uh, a couple games in a row now that have been pretty contested. They did blow out Auburn last week, but played close ones against Georgia and Kentucky before that. And Missouri, you would think, would be a close game as well. So certainly should be uh, interesting to see how, how Florida's playing coming into Thompson Bowling on Sunday for senior night. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that's a good point bringing up the midweek game against Missouri because whether or not, you know, they win that, Missouri's obviously struggling, but that's going to be a pretty physical game. Missouri likes to get in and play defense and really make other opponents work. So if you're Tennessee, that's probably, you know, a good thing that you're looking for is that they're having to play such a tough Missouri team. Yeah, certainly that physicality could make it a little bit of a tougher turnaround for Florida, but that will do it for this part of the checkerboard chat, our men's basketball coverage as Tennessee will look to uh, get back on track this week against Florida as they get going down the final stretch of the season as they play the SEC tournament next week and the NCAA tournament begins the week after that. We'll be back in segment number two to talk about the Lady Vols and their 2-0 week as they locked up a three seed heading into the SEC tournament in Greenville this weekend. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, welcome back to segment two of the checkerboard chat. We will dive into Tennessee Lady Vols basketball as they go 2-0 on the week to end the regular season and move forward into the SEC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. Josh Lane, the assistant sports editor and Lady Vols beat writer, joins me here for segment two. Josh, what were your takeaways on Tennessee closing the regular season strong against maybe two not great opponents, but still uh, good to get two wins in the season, in the regular season? Yeah, well, they did, they did just that. I know last week we talked about they do have an easy schedule, but they need to take care of business, uh, control their own destiny entering the SEC tournament, and they did that. They won two games against uh, easier opponents in Missouri and Auburn, 
you know, they looked good. Renaya Davis looked really good. Ray Burrell looked really good. So everything's kind of coming together for them at the right point. You know, they're peaking at the right time going into the tournament. So, you know, a, a pretty solid week this past week. There's not, you know, there wasn't a lot of doubt about whether they could win or not because, again, two very easy opponents. But they took care of business, which was something, you know, they've kind of struggled with in the past. And, you know, that now they uh, locked up a number three seed in the tournament next week. Yeah, they took care of business, did what they needed to do in a 78-73 win over Missouri and an 88-54 win over Auburn. But it was pretty close to them not doing what they needed to do against Missouri. They entered the fourth quarter trailing by five points. And then Renaya Davis showed why she's one of the best players at Tennessee in a long time, scoring 20 points in the 20 of Tennessee's 23 points in the fourth quarter, helping Tennessee come back and win. Just talk about Davis and that performance and then played really well again in senior day, scored 23 points in just 29 minutes as they rolled Auburn. Yeah, she's been so good all year. And just to really, you know, end her season with two great performances has been so good to watch. Um, you know, against against Missouri, it's been another one of those games that Renai's had lately where the first half, not that strong, only a couple points, I, I believe. But then, you know, really the second half, and as you mentioned, the fourth quarter, I mean, she dropped 20 points against Missouri, I think it was. I mean, really just picked Tennessee up, carried them past that deficit to get the win because – you know, they really needed that to lock up this uh, good seed in the in the tournament that they got. And then she followed it up with an incredible performance against Auburn, too. You know, senior night, as you mentioned, her last time, probably a Thompson Bowling Arena. So she's been she's been so good for Tennessee all year. Um, and just, you know, to end her season with two, uh, you know, two really good games here. I think she's got five games in a row of 20 plus points leading the team I mean she's just she's been really hot lately peaking at the right time as you said as I said earlier so I think Tennessee is very very encouraged to see her playing that well she I mean she's definitely probably one of the better players in Tennessee's history so you know to have her in her final season she's playing so well you know at this right time now entering the tournament definitely encouraging for Tennessee yeah and you were just hitting that at the end when I was going to ask next obviously a lot of really, really good players in Lady Vols history and not asking you to give me a top five or anything, but what's, I mean, what's Renaya Davis's legacy end up being? And obviously she still has a one more NCAA tournament run. Where, where does she kind of match up in the last decade, at least of Tennessee players and what will be, what will she be remembered for the most? Yeah. I mean, she's definitely, she's definitely up there. I'm just, one stat that has been given out a lot is double doubles. She's fourth all time, uh, just against Auburn. She, you know, passed Glory Johnson. So fourth all time in double doubles. I mean, you know, there's Tennessee's had so many good, so many good players over the years for Pat Summit and everyone. And you know, you look at the list and to be be fourth on that, you know, that means you're scoring points. You're getting rebounds. You're, you know, you're getting assists. You're just doing everything that the team needs you to do so just you know to be top five in a in a category like that is huge and you know as you said they've got one more one more run in them for the sec tournament here and then the ncaa tournament so if she really if she really picks up the team and and carries them pretty far into the playoffs i think uh that's only gonna help only gonna help her legacy here she can really cement herself um you know as one of the all-time lady ball greats yeah, so the Lady Vols will turn the page this week on the regular season. They end the regular season with a 15-6 and record, going 9-4 and in SEC play. Good to finish third place in the SEC. Josh, what, what does Tennessee uh, need to do from this week going into the tournament play? To, uh, what's their most pressing issue that they need to fix or most realistic thing that could 
bolstered her chances of making a deep run in Greenville and then again in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to say the same couple of things I've been saying the last week or so, and that's they gotta they gotta get off to a fast start and they gotta they gotta limit the turnovers because really those two things have been have been killing Tennessee all year. You know, they come out in the in the first half of the game, the first quarter even, and they're they're not scoring well, they're shooting bad, you know, they're struggling. It's Renia Davis has been doing that a few games in a row, but you know, she's able and so she's able to always uh rebound, but Tennessee isn't always, you know, sometimes they get themselves in too too big of a hole. So to come out in the first quarter, um with energy, you know, playing well. They did that against Auburn. And so that's a that's a good sign heading into the tournament. And then the other thing is turnovers. And, you know, all year, all year they've been turning the ball over way too much. They all I think, you know, they probably had more turnovers in every game than the other team has. Um Jordan Horst and Jordan Walker. Surprisingly Ray Burrell has kind of been some big contributors there. So they gotta clean that up because, you know, now in the tournament they're not gonna be playing Missouri and Auburn two week teams. They're gonna be playing pretty good teams and they're, you know, to, to make it far in the SEC tournament, they're probably going to have to play South Carolina or Texas A&M. And against teams like that, they cannot afford to get off to a, a poor start. So those are two things that they're definitely going to have to clean up um, going into the week. But they've got plenty of time to prepare. They don't play till Friday. So they're probably going to be in Knoxville for a while. Um, you know, Kelly Harper said after the game, they're going to be working a lot on themselves, on the things they do well. So I, I, I'm pretty confident that they're going to they're gonna take care of that. But those are definitely two things they need to clean up. Yeah, how, how fixable do you feel like the turnover problem is? Because, like you said, it's it's every game. They're double-digit, you know, usually 15-plus turnovers. And it doesn't seem like it's just the guards or just the point guard or, it's, you know, just one problem that they can't fix. It seems like the turnovers are spread out. And they certainly aren't getting great play from the point guards either to, you know, kind of make up for the turnovers that they're having elsewhere. Yeah, I mean – you would think in theory that that's a fixable problem. You know, it's just about playing smarter basketball, making better passes, you know, watching everything, but they've struggled to do it all year. So I don't know. It's, I think going in the tournament, Harper's going to, you know, be on our team a little bit more about cleaning up these small mistakes about being on top of it uh, on the mental side of everything, but it, it might, they've struggled with it all year. So it might be, might be too big of a problem for them to overturn, but you know it should be something easy that they could fix. But we'll just have to see on on Friday. So Tennessee will start their SEC tournament bid in Greenville on Friday night around not an official start time, but you would think around eight thirty they will play after the six p.m. start. They will get the winner of the six eleven game Arkansas and Ole Miss. Josh just kind of walk me through the outlook of Tennessee in the SEC tournament and what they need to do to make a deep run. Right. Well, uh, you mentioned Arkansas and Ole Miss. That'd be the first two teams they played. They beat both of those teams this year. Um, Arkansas was one of the first SEC games, a ranked opponent, and they blew them out pretty good. The Ole Miss was another solid win that they had. So, I'm, you know, you're not too worried about the first round. Those are whatever team goes on. I, I would imagine it might be Arkansas that Tennessee has to play. I, you know, you have confidence that the Lady Vols can take care of that game in, uh, in advance of the next round. And you know, and then that's where it gets tough for them because at that point, I, I, I'm i looking at the bracket. I don't see how any other team is probably going to beat South Carolina and A&M. And so Tennessee, first up in the semifinal, Tennessee would have to play South Carolina. And that's a team that they beat earlier in the year. That was a close game. But, you know, Renia Davis really had a nice performance that night. And I'm just – that's the, it's South Carolina. They've been one of the top programs in the, in the, in the country for a while. So 
they did beat them, but you know, little little wary to say that they do it again. But if if they did, it would most likely be A and M in the final, and that was a game that Tennessee lost earlier this year in Texas A and M. You know, that was they didn't really have a good performance at all. They kind of they it was it was close up to the end, but Texas A and M really pulled away. So definitely going to be a challenging tournament for them if they make it past the first round. But like I said earlier, they're going to have to clean up the small things. You know, they're not going to be able to have a bad first half and beat and expect to beat South Carolina or Texas A&M. Yeah, definitely. It's You look at it, it's going to be a challenge because you're going to have to beat two of the best teams in the league and, and in the country. Obviously, it's pretty well known what South Carolina has done over the past few seasons. And then Texas A&M, they're 22-1 and one this season. They've won 10 straight games. They've been really, really good. So we're sitting here on, on, on Sunday night, and Tennessee's won the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. They've, they've beaten South Carolina. They've beaten A&M, two top ten teams. Why, why were they able to do it? What, what made them have the consistency to, to beat two of the best teams in the country on back-to-back days? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, Renaya Davis and Ray Burrell have, have had a great weekend. They've gotten big performances out of Tamara Key from Cassie Kushkitawa, um, Jordan Horston, you know, Jordan Walker, their point guards, you know, they've they've limited turnovers, they've picked in the pie assists, they've both struggled to score all year. So I imagine, you know, to beat these two teams and win the SEC, those two in particular really not to pick up the pick up uh, their scoring pace. Um, you know, Tennessee, like we said, they're gonna have to play a good first half. You know, they they're not I'm gonna I can't say it enough, they're not gonna beat these two teams on a bad first half. So that's something that um that they're gonna have to work on that Kelly Harper's gonna have to have to get her team. But you know, if they do beat it, that's these teams, that's how they've done it. They've played a complete 40 minutes of basketball. They've played smart basketball, you know, they've done the fundamentals well, and they've got some big performances out of um, you know, Jordan Walker and Jordan Horston in particular, who have uh who have not played super well this season. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to watch to see what the Lady Vols do before they head get their last look before they head into the NCAA tournament and probably the most excitement a Tennessee team's had entering NCAA tournament in a couple of years, but that's going to do it for this edition of the checkerboard chat. Thank you for joining us. We will have complete coverage of Tennessee's play in Greenville this weekend in the SEC women's basketball tournament, as well as the rest of coverage of all of Tennessee sports this week. Thanks for joining us and have a good rest of your week.